What comes after populism? Well, I guess it depends on the outcome of the populism. I am not a populist full stop. I think the populism is needed. Uh, my perspective is Christian. Const, let's say, a no, I want to do it that way. A Christ-like constitutional populist. But when populism is crushed, what comes next? I think the party better start thinking about this. The voters in Italy, that is the citizens in Italy, they expressed themselves by the election of a woman who's probably going to be prime minister and it has panicked the party. This is the woman who is an unelected bureaucrat who runs the EU. And she is speaking here. She mentions Hungary and Poland. Hungary and Poland don't want globalism. They don't want open borders. They refuse to play along with the pronoun game. So this is an unelected bureaucrat being asked to comment on Italy. We'll see. If things uh, go in a difficult direction, I've spoken about Hungary and Poland. We have tools. If things go in the right direction and people as a body that is always, um, where always governments have to be accountable to play an important role. Hmm. <laughs> governments play an important role, but I'll make the decisions. Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. What comes after populism? It's a question that is rolling around in my head, particularly as I watch what happens in Italy and the response of the Mockingbird media and the party elite and what they're saying. The utter panic at CBS News and at CNN and NPR and already typecasting this woman into what they need her to be in order for them to continue to panic people. <laughs> because panic wins for these guys. Ain't no doubt about that. We're continuing to recognize 5 million downloads that have occurred. Thank you to the team, Dave and Julie and Jerry and Michelle and Russ. Uh, thank you to the entire team. Thank you to you. And most of all, thank you to God Almighty for that. Also, big announcement coming up tomorrow about the future of the cast and, and something we've decided to do and we've been blessed with by the Lord. We'll get to that tomorrow. And recognition, of course, of all the partners. Um, and it's just too long to list. So after populism, if populism fails, if you have uh, an expressed wish from the populace, hence populism, saying we do not want open borders. We want some control over who comes into our country. We don't want to see wholesale changes in our culture. 
We don't want to have people come into our culture who hate our culture. We don't believe that we can afford to bring people into our country who are being told that in this country they can have whatever they want, that nothing costs anything, that all things are free. We can't afford that. We know the deficits and the debts we're running, the debt that we have, the deficits that we run, I should say. We know these things. We can't afford this. We're watching in our country as military members are being told, oh, we're sorry you can't make it on, uh, on your salaries. Um, have you tried food stamps? At the same time as this country is handing money hand over fist to Ukraine. And with all and sincere due respect to my friend, Michael Rourke, retired special forces who has forgotten more about international relations than I'll ever know. I still have, I have a, a, a huge amount of trouble squaring that. We're in this position, but we've got money to pour into the hands of Ukraine. And Italy is economically worse off than we are. They were ruined during the lockdowns. And people are still ruined over there. They've seen the open borders change parts of Italy to no-go zones. Now, the media will tell you that no-go zones don't exist, and yet they do. In an accidental occurrence of journalism, Vice.com visited no-go zones in England. Now, they thought they were telling a different story. They, that, they thought they were telling a story about, oh, look at the poor um, Muslim immigrants and where they live. And, and what they were really showing was a story of what has happened as there has been no integration. There's not meant to be integration. Any longer with open borders, they're told, people are told, no, stay, stay loyal to your country. Wave your flag. You're not coming here to be part of a melting pot. You're coming here to create Balkanism. You're coming here to create islands of cultures at war with the culture at, at large, writ large. And people are not stupid. God gave us intelligence. God gave us skepticism. Yes, we are to care for immigrants, but immigrants are also to enter our country legally. And the will of the voters as expressed, right? Romans 13 goes both ways. <laughs> you are an elected official. Guess what? You're supposed to follow the law too. And the EU long ago, long ago abandoned its original charter. Do you remember it was about currency and travel? That's what it was about. Now it's about toasters. And it's about a woman sometimes referred to as the dominatrix of the EU telling nation states, ah, you matter, but not as much as I do. And telling the voters, you made the wrong decision and now we're going to punish you. That's, that's where we've landed. So what comes after populism? Well, if populism is crushed or, or abused as is happening, what then? When people are told, your votes don't matter. You may have elected this woman prime minister, but we don't care. Your votes don't matter. We're the EU. We're the bureaucrats. We're the bosses. We're the technocrats. What comes next? Gee, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder. It's people like um, my friend Michael Rourke, I just mentioned, who understand the risks of what war means because he's fought in them. And so have a lot of you. My friend Tim Cruikshank, um, the founder and CEO of Bonefrog Coffee, uh, has also been to combat and fought and, and knows the meaning and the risks of that on a very personal basis. 
if you look at Bonefrog Coffee, I've talked about the title, you know, the, rather the, um, the God Country team that's on every single bag. You'll also notice the recognition of service members. I'll give you a little heads up. There's some very special bags of Bonefrog that's coming out. And they're going to honor very specific Navy SEALs who did some incredible things. Tim told me stories when we were together of people falling out of helicopters, landing with 200 Taliban rushing at them. And a sane person, well, I won't say that, but a normal person would turn and run. No, not this SEAL. Nope. Took out a lot of guys, a lot of Taliban. So the coffee is what the coffee is. It's a money-making opportunity. Let's be honest. It's an opportunity for Tim to feed his family, to better his circumstance. But the company, see, that's the culture. The culture is a SEAL culture. God, country, team. It's a SEAL culture. Excellence. It's a SEAL culture. We're going to hire the best. We're going to recruit the best. So you got Dave Stewart, a coffee legend, advising and, in fact, doing some of the roasts. Uh, We're going to pay attention to details. We're going to interact with folks. Tim tastes all the blends. He interacts with customers on a daily basis, all day long, interacting with customers, asking what they think. Does it cost a little bit more? Sure. Does Costco crush people? Yep. Do they go out and try to be good people? No. God country team? Hardly. So Bonefrog is small batch because they want to control that quality. It's available in all the delivery methods from K-Cup to French press to drip, to espresso, whole bean or pre-ground, whatever you like. It's at bonefrog.us, bonefrog.us. When you use the .us, Tim knows we're taking care of him. Consequently, I know Tim is taking care of us and you, bonefrog.us. So this is an Italian with subtitles. Um, This woman is elected, Georgie Milani. And this is based upon, it's based upon things like this. um, That the media is panicking in the way they are. We'll get to their panic. Please answer a question, she says, or answer some questions. This is about who we are doing today. Why is the family an enemy? Why is the family so frightening? There's a single answer to all these questions. Because it defines us. Because it is our country. Because everything that defines us is now an enemy. For those who would like us to no longer have an identity and simply to be perfect consumer slaves. And so they attack national identity. They attack religious identity. They attack gender identity. They attack family identity. I can't define myself as an Italian Christian woman, mother. No. I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two. I must be a number because when I am only a number, when I no longer have an identity of roots, then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators. The perfect consumer. And I would modify one thing from the lady. You're not a consumer, you're a product. That's how the technocrats view us. They view us as products. Yeah, there's some consumption involved. But if you look at what they're doing, they purchase people through government. 
So for instance, they purchase kids uh, through gender identity lies. They purchase their bodies. They go to government and they say, we want to be able to trans kids. We'll take care of the con job with the media and ads and popular culture and movies and music. We'll take care of the con job. We'll bribe the hospitals, but here's what we need you to do. We need you to insert in Obamacare um, a provision that, quote, forces insurance companies to pay for so-called sex change surgeries, and you can't change your sex, and wrong sex hormones. Now, the big swindle in all this is the insurance companies know you could buy that more cheaply if you went to the hospital directly and financed that, but that's not the way they play the game. They tell you, oh, well, without us, it would cost a lot more. Well, no, not really. That's, that's at, the, at, the, at the, the bulk at which they buy things and the volume at which they buy things, not, not really. And then the laws get passed and then they change the culture. And the dollars that are flowing into that, a lot of that comes from people who don't want those things. If you have an Obamacare plan, you're paying for sex change surgeries. In fact, you have insurance for it just in case you at the age of um, you know, 66 as a man decide you want to change your sex. That's one example. There's others. The electric car industry is buying us. They bought California. They knew that. If they buy California, then they've bought 17 other states. So they bribed Gavin Newsom and they bribed the Democrat party and they bribed the media with ads and with sex appeal and they changed the culture. Then they go to government and say, force people to buy our products. That's by the way, is fascism. And you'll hear CBS news and how they choose to define fascism here in a second. And it's pretty hilarious because fascism is a, a, a government and companies becoming one thing. That is what fascism means. So to the lady, you know, to the new presumptive prime minister of Italy, yeah, there's, there's some buying involved, but really you are the thing that's been bought and then resold. It's, it's kind of a, fume, a, a form of human trafficking, but without having to fly you around. And, and without having to store you, it's effectively the same thing though. So people push back. People say, I don't want these things for my country. I don't want these things for my family. And people say, we're not going to take it. We're, we're going to hire a guy like Donald Trump. Hillary is so corrupt. She got kicked off the Watergate Commission. How corrupt do you have to be to get kicked off the Watergate Commission? Pretty corrupt. Hillary is and has been in politics since the 70s. What's her pitch? The economy is busted. The government's corrupt. Washington is failing. Vote for me. I've been working on these problems for 30 years. I can fix it, she says. I wasn't really sure if Hillary was going to be here tonight because I guess you didn't send her invitation by email. Or maybe you did and she just found out about it through the wonder of WikiLeaks. <laughs> We've learned so much 
from WikiLeaks. For example, Hillary believes that it's vital to deceive the people by having one public policy and a totally different policy in private. That's okay. I don't know who they're angry at, Hillary. You're right. For example, here she is tonight in public pretending not to hate Catholics. <laughs> now, if some of you haven't noticed, Hillary isn't laughing as much as the rest of us. That's because she knows the jokes. And all of the jokes were given to her in advance of the dinner by Donna Brazil. Hillary is it's an angry voice. It's a it's a sarcastic voice and he is absolutely right about everything. He was absolutely correct. He was quoting her about having two faces, two policies. She said it in an email. She said, yeah, it's important that we have one policy in public and one policy in private. We can't go around telling people what we really do, what we really think. So people notice these things. And populism comes about. Now we've got January 6th. And we learned that the FBI, oh yeah, we had six informants in the Oath Keepers. Oh, and incidentally, those informants, they didn't see, they didn't provide any evidence of guilt. No evidence of guilt. But we had six informants in there. What did they do? Well, you don't really have time to investigate that because it's only a week before the trial that we're telling you. What happens when people discover that? What happens when it's not just one Catholic pro-life guy who the FBI goes to the house with SWAT team-like behaviors, 25 armed guys with rifles, because there was an interaction. He shoved the 74-year-old man who incidentally was in his kid's face day after day after day yelling gay slurs about his dad and worse things. The FBI gets involved in this. The local courts had already kicked the case back. No, no, silliness. What happens? What's this, what, what comes after populism? I asked the party, what comes after populism? People reach a limit. Turn the other cheek, we are told. I am unqualified to speak of just war. I, I, have, I do not have the depth, theologically, to know what it means. But I know there is such a thing. This is CBS News responding to a free election. Now, listen as you go through this. Here, if you hear them name anything fascist about this lady, anything fascist. Voters in Italy tomorrow appear... Well, in fact, as you listen to this, and, and forgive me for starting and stopping, but as you listen to this, just imagine if there was an honest assessment of this, the two sides to the story, how easy it would be to tell this tale. Voters in Italy tomorrow appear poised to make a hard right turn. The woman expected to become prime minister leads a party with roots in neo-fascism. Chris Lips. Okay, let's stop there for a second. Roots in neo-fascism. <laughs> so there's that laugh people think is fake. People think that's a fake laugh. I'm telling you when you are in a room by yourself and the thing, same thing was true for me in radio. When you're in a room by yourself and you have thought of something that amuses you in your own head, I invite you to laugh the way you normally do when you're responding to another human being. It's because I'm picturing something. What roots? What are the roots of the Democrat Party? 
The KKK is the roots. Within six seconds, CBS can't tell the truth or, see, or speak with balance. Voters in Italy tomorrow appear poised to make a hard right turn. The woman expected to become prime minister leads a party with roots in neo-fascism. Chris Livesay is in Rome. Italy is revered for its history, reflected in palazzos and ruins and statues. But not all of that history is beautiful, and many fear that one particular... <laughs> Sorry for stopping it again. My pause function's not working on my Rodecaster Pro. Otherwise, it wouldn't be starting at the beginning. Rome burned people alive. So, but everything else is beautiful except Mussolini. And, and, and incidentally, can someone explain to me what was conservative about Mussolini? What, what, okay, he was right wing except he was a collectivist. He was right wing because he wanted to limit immigration. Go sneak into China. Go try mass migration against the will of a communist country. See what happens to you. Well, no one does because no one wants in. But Mussolini, like Hitler, was right wing in what way? They were collectivists. They were statists. They were authoritarians. They were all government. So 12 seconds in, CBS News is twisting this. Then they go out and they find a woman they think um, actually describes fascism. But wait, wait, wait until you see how she describes it. It's pretty stunning. The world is a risky place. It's just getting riskier. We talked yesterday with my friend Michael Rourke, who's a retired Special Forces operative. He was talking about the fact that there are more Chinese Communist Party spies on the West Coast than there are FBI agents. That's risk. Uh, and wow, look at that. They like to locate around financial institutions and, and um, high-tech places and military bases. Gosh, wonder why. Well, in a risky environment like that, you'd think that you could turn to your government in many ways. And, and O'Rourke is, he's, he's more, uh, I guess, he has more confidence in the government than do I. Makes me feel better. But then I look at the finances and I talk to my friend, Zach Abraham. And I look at the, the policies that we, Zach and I, he's with us on the show every Friday. We can't sometimes figure out. Are these guys trying to ruin things? Or are they stupid? And then I developed my theory of the um, of the the middle class sandwich. So on top of things, you got people like George Soros and 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 Fink and the folks at BlackRock and Gates and Buffett. And on top of this, they know exactly what they're doing. Klaus Schwab knows exactly what he's doing. They know they're spending us into oblivion. They know that they are are driving up inflation. You know, it's that whole thing of hey, why don't we blow it up? And then at the bottom of that, you got your Fauci's who are scheming, but not very smart. So you have your Debbie Burks's who have, who have, God is not, I'm, the, the Lord's blessed her with something, but it's not intelligence. 
and they do what they're told. They keep their head down in the middle. We get squeezed. And Zach has been talking about this dynamic in terms of 0% interest rate loans and, and mobbed up financial systems for a decade. It was Zach 10 years ago saying, you know, inflation is going to skyrocket. It was Zach who went, who, who went to short housing stocks at the time when everyone else is saying, wait, you're shorting housing stocks? What are you doing? Well, I'm doing what the math shows us because when politics and math and physics collide, math and physics eventually win. That's where we're at now. So with a risky environment like this, if you're 30 years, 40 years from retiring, you're cool. Stash money, stash a lot of it. If you're five to 10 years from retirement, you're not cool. If you are not focused on risk management, well, Bulwark Capital Management's all about risk management of your money and they steward it like they steward their own. Call Bulwark Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Czech Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. All right, I will try to get through this whole CBS clip without stopping it every two seconds. And again, I apologize. I don't know why the pause function is not working on my roadcaster. Voters in Italy tomorrow appear poised to make a hard right turn. The woman expected to become prime minister leads a party with roots in neo-fascism. Chris Livesey is in Rome. Italy is revered for its history, reflected in palazzos and ruins and statues. But not all of that history is beautiful, and many fear that one particularly ugly chapter could soon repeat itself. This year marks the 100th anniversary of Mussolini's historic march on Rome. Plunging the country into two decades of dictatorship, an alliance with Hitler, and a second world war. Today, his fascist party is gone, but many say she is carrying the torch. Giorgia Maloney, leader of many the Brothers say. of Italy. What was once a fringe party has ballooned into the biggest in the country, and it's now poised to lead the most hard right government since World War II. The fundamental problem in Italy is becoming the, the illegal immigration. Too many immigrants. To protect the, the traditional family, a family composed by a mom, a dad, and sons. Italy's conservative superstar remains fiercely opposed to adoptions and surrogacy for same-sex couples. The fiery 45-year-old is comfortable with some of the hallmarks of Italian fascism, like this motto. God, fatherland, and family. And that's clearly a post-fascist party um, with a post-fascist agenda. Uh, Irene Caratelli is a political scientist at Rome's American University. It has the flame uh, in the symbol of the political party that goes back to the idea of the flame on the grave of Mussolini. The same flame is on Mussolini's grave? Yes. Now it's a historic election also because Georgia Maloney would be Italy's first ever female prime minister. An important glass ceiling, but one that's been overshadowed by her politics. Chris Livesey, CBS News, it's just Rome. just utter trash reporting. Um, well, let's see. What's the um, what was the fist sign that the union adopted? That's right. That's international communism. Where else did that go? Black Lives Matter Incorporated. Where else did that go? Antifa. Where else did that go? Democrat Party headquarters. Uh, let's see. Democrats around the country in state parties have adopted the pentagram, the satanic pentagram in the D. Truly, they have. But yes, that's a flame. You know what else is a flame? The Olympic torch. 
has a flame. And their fascism is God, fatherland, family. God is not a fascist. (laughs) If God was a fascist, he'd be the best fascist ever invented. Because he invented himself. He always has been, always will be, always is. If God was fascist, God would simply make us into robots, but he hasn't. That's why there's this big difference between us and them. Because there is a difference. The presumptive prime minister said, who are we? This is about who we are. That's right. Who are we at the very basis? God answered that. We're his creations. We used to be in his family. In the Garden of Eden, we were in his family. Then we decided that we knew better. And so we said, hey, we're going to eat from the, 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 tr- the fruit of the tree of good and evil. Knowledge of good and evil. Because we, we, we can. He told us not to, but we're going to. So we were kicked out of the family, but we have a chance to get back. God invented the family. The party is attacking it. God is a God of order. That's one of the reasons that it doesn't make any sense to be a polytheist. Otherwise, we'd see all this war over how the world works. There'd be parts of the world where up wasn't up and gravity didn't exist. And animals had wheels, not legs. And mosquitoes didn't bite. But they do. God is a God of order. So the fascism is is what? The fascism is she doesn't want to have her entire life controlled. The fascism is she's recognizing people do not want the bosses in government to have control over every aspect of their life. That is the opposite of fascism. We live in what Janet Parshall, a great, great radio host at Moody Radio, best interviewer in all of radio. Uh, what Janet Parshall calls a post-truth world. I call it a post-law world. Douglas Copeland called it after God. Douglas, I think, is still an atheist. But that's the world in which we live. So who are we and who are they? We'll continue to explore that as we talk about what comes after populism. As we're looking at these 5 million downloads. Um, and this, this upcoming announcement tomorrow about the future of the cast. Um, this guy, Dave Parkhurst, Dave the Digital, at greenhaveninteractive.com. I want you to cement that in your name, in your mind, rather, greenhaveninteractive.com. If you're part of an organization or you run a business or you help run a business and, and you are reliant upon customers, well, that's everybody, or donors, that's everybody, you need to have a presence on Google. And if you have done this, in fact, if you do this, you'll know if you need Dave the Digital at greenhaveninteractive.com. It's so simple. Right now, take out your mobile phone. You might have done this on your desktop, but try your mobile phone. Search your business in your city. Try it in your county. Now, see, sometimes those results come up different. Because other companies may have better search engine optimization than you. They may come up before you, even if you're searching your name in your area. All right. Now you could pay Google to get that corrected by buying ads. And then those other companies can buy ads and you guys can, you know, out try to bid, outbid each other and Google wins. Or you could pay Dave at greenhaveninteractive.com and he'll fix your SEO. Here's another thing to do. Search your category of business in your area. Try it on maps. 
You run a tire store, search tire stores on maps. Then try it just on a Google search, tire stores near me. If you're not in the top three to five search results in any of those circumstances, you have a problem. You could pay the people at Google who are largely atheists, now leftists who hate this country, or you could pay Dave at greenhaveninteractive.com, decades in the business, a very successful man, a Christian conservative who's built up a great tidy business that serves customers called greenhaveninteractive.com, decades of experience, greenhaveninteractive.com. Who are we and who are they? Well, they think that giving power to uh, giving, and let me say it this way, giving complete power to a small group of people who in the best cases, like in the case of the EU dominatrix, Ursula von der Leyen, we have tools to deal with dissident voters like in the EU, in Hungary and, 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 and uh, in Italy. We have tools in Poland. So unelected bureaucrats, paper bullies like her, there are people who think that she, the small group of people like them, should have all the power, such as this guy from Ireland. Um, his name, I'm going to get this wrong. It's hard to pronounce. Tysic Michael. Tysic Michael Martin. Tysic Michael Martin. Here's who they are. Directly led to the two bloodiest wars in history. Let there be no doubt about where Ireland stands. We want nothing to do with a backward-looking idea of sovereignty. We remain absolutely committed to the ideals of the European Union. We see the Union for what it is, the most successful international organization directly led to the two bloodiest... <laughs> most successful! They're, they're, they're nearly extinct. And it's his belief somehow that getting that there'll be no war if if everybody's in the control of a small group of unelected bureaucrats let me ask you a question do you think that the people in canada who had their doors kicked in during the height of the covid lockdown and saw their neighbors torn you know pulled out of the house by their hair because they were meeting with their neighbors do you think that that doesn't look like war do you think that the pastor, not the pastor, but the pro-life speaker who had a SWAT team activity at his house because he had an altercation with an agitator outside of an abortion clinic, they make this a federal case. They pull him out of his house in the middle of the night in front of his children, guns drawn, only showing one page of the warrant to his wife saying we don't even need to show you? You think that doesn't feel like a war? You think the people who've been tracked down around the country because they went to Washington, D.C. and stood on the lawn, uh, that doesn't feel like a war? Do you think that the pastor in Canada who had him, he's, he's in prison again because he refused to stop preaching the word of God. Do you think that feels like the war? See, the, the magic belief of these people, this is us, this is them. We are us. The magic belief of these people is if we just have enough control, then we can stop all the bad behavior. Um, God can't stop all the bad behavior. Well, let me say that again. God won't. 
stop all the bad behavior. We have a sin problem installed in us, pre-installed. We're broken. We need redemption and grace. Gifts that we cannot buy, we'll never earn. But because they believe they are their own gods, they believe when they have all the power, then all the bad thing will stop, which means human nature will cease to exist. Which mean, hum, means that human nature that says, no, you're not going to make me eat gruel while you eat steak. No, I'm not going to consume bugs while you're eating lobster and flying in private jets. What comes after populism? Revolution. And the revolution is either the government crushes the people or the people crush or threaten the government enough that it changes. That's where the why don't we blow it up behavior is headed. And it's where we were told it would head. Sometimes this shocks people. This is exactly what Christians believed would happen. My friend Tyler is reminding me of a book by C.S. Lewis, that terrible strength. C.S. Lewis foresaw all of it. Why? Because he read the Bible. And as a great writer, he translated what he saw in the Bible. And what he said in terms of the, what the Bible prophesies. Well, that's, that's, that's what we're seeing, isn't it? To me, that gives me comfort. Why? Because God said, oh, and here's the other things that will happen. I'm coming back and this time as judge. That's who they are. And if we're going to look at this from a secular perspective, a reminder, there's no such thing. Secular doesn't exist. God owns everything. But if we want hope, let's turn back to the words of a young man who went to go speak to his school that he was leaving. And a friend of the show reminded me of the existence of this. Um, he's on Twitter at not Billy reminded me of this speech. This student gave. It's a little long, maybe longer than I would normally play, but this is us. He doesn't mention the word of God on this. I wish that he would. I hope he knows the Lord. He's talking about his school and he is describing to a T why people voted in Georgie Maloney, why people voted in Donald Trump and why people are wise to turn their back on Mitchell McConnell and Kevin McCarthy. We have made critical race theory a national issue. We made school boards a national issue. We made chemically and surgically mutilating children a national issue. We made shoving same-sex attraction down the throats of people, a national issue. We made Tony Fauci a national issue. All of these things are winning issues for the tallest and oak, rop-gribbed, committed Christian conservatives of the Republican Party. None of them will run on these things. Remember the question? Who are they and who are we? We exist to serve and not be served. 
to elect people who, who, who intend to serve and not be served. We exist to flood the zone with saved souls in government. And maybe this young man will be involved in such an effort. I'm going to give you a glimpse today of what's actually going on inside these schools. Um, despite the board's attempt to deny it, District 196 schools are quickly becoming a place where promoting activism is actually more important than promoting education. I'll take, I'll take you back to my first day at RHS this fall. The principal came out and gave us a heartfelt speech about equality and standing together. Um, he began to list countless races, such as Latino, Asian, expressing how much they matter and how important they are. But never once did he mention a race or identity that reflects me or half the kids that were in the class. Now, members of the board, I know you haven't been to school in a while, and I know most of the people, I know none of you or most of you don't have any kids left in the school district, um, but you must admit how uncomfortable it will be to be characterized just by your skin color on the first day of school and be thought that you were wrong just because of your skin color. So I will never forget the look one of my friends gave me from across the room as we were sitting there listening to this blatant bias being expressed in the so-called equity statement by the leader of our school. To be clear, I don't need you to tell me that I matter, but hearing the condolences given to other races and leaving just one race out, it inevitably you'll start to feel like you've done something wrong. And in our principal's attempt to unify us, he instead created unwarranted boundaries and barriers between his students, pitting us against each other based on characteristics that we can't control. In another separate instance, I was told that writing all lives matter on the whiteboard was political and could be seen as offensive. When I questioned the teacher after class, she told me that she didn't have an answer and she just had to erase it, and it was quickly erased. There are political signs all over RHS specific, about specific races that matter, specific sexual orientations that matter, and specific perspectives that matter. But when I questioned the RHS administration about how these signs were political, they told me that they were supporting human rights. So when I questioned why the equity statement couldn't represent all students, they told me that to even ask that question was outlandish and offensive. And they, uh, when I asked why that was, they told me, quote, whites have a pretty good situation right now, unquote. So is that not racism? Disregarding my question merely because of the color of my skin. To be honest, after enduring a year of the people in charge telling me that I'm a racist and I'm privileged and pointing out our irreversible differences, I've never noticed race more. And it's becoming the first thing I notice when I meet someone, which has never before been the case. RHS administration confidently told me that RHS students and staff are happy with their equity statement. But from the ex my experience in talking with other students, this is not the case. I know many kids who disagree with their teachers, but they're too scared to stand up because they're worried that their grades will be docked and their learning experience will be affected. My honors government teacher, I'm not going to say his name, but he's mentioned that Democrats care more about all people while Republicans only care about themselves. And he's also inferred to us that socialism is better than democracy. He even had a statue. He had a statue of a socialist leader in his classroom. Um, I have been, I've been told by a lot of kids that they just stay silent and adjust their schoolwork to reflect an acceptable opinion to secure a good grade. I've been approached by multiple teachers who have told me in private that they just want to say that they agree with me and they support me standing up, but they can't say it in front of the class for fear of being disciplined by the administration in some way or losing their jobs. There is clearly only one way to think in this district, and that is that they are teaching their kids to shut up if they don't agree. Now, members of the board, I want you to take a good look at yourselves in the mirror tonight and ask, are you really standing up for the equality of all people, or are you just pushing a damaging political ideology um, on, on our students? A fellow coworker at my job, who, by the way, is of color, 
discreetly told me that the schools seem to be pushing a very leftist agenda in class. This proved that not everyone is happy with your school, and not everyone who isn't happy is white. Now, due to all these instances I've mentioned and many more that I can't fit in this five-minute speech, I've decided to leave this district and continue school on a private Christian school online. And, and there will be sacrifices, and I will not get to walk in the graduation ceremony or attend milestones at RHS, but I will be able to learn in an environment that is not intent on punishing me daily for my skin color and political views. Now, regardless how you take my speech, whether you just shrug it off as malarkey or Fox News talking points, I encourage you to think about it, because someday I'm going to be a leader. I may be the president, a governor, or just a professional golfer, but I will never stop believing that everybody has value, no matter their skin color or personal beliefs. And it's a shame that you're not going to be able to say that I was an alumni of RHS in District 196. Thank you. And a young fascist is born. Who are they? There are people utterly blinded. When you don't walk in the truth, you can't see it any longer. Who are we? Well, I hope we are people who walk in the light because God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. I hope we're people rejoining his family. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And let's always ask God, particularly me, since I just spent uh, all this time pointing out the specks in the eyes of others. Well, let's make a habit of asking the Lord to search our hearts and to help us draw nearer to him and to be more like him.